Hello, and welcome to the Union Podcast. My name is Bonnie, and I'm here with my husband, Brian. Hello there. And we are really excited. We're in the middle right now of a little mini series all around five keys for sexual health within a community of faith. I know that's quite a mouthful, but we are really, it's, we're being quite specific. Uh, this is the fourth of those f- within that mini series. Uh, so far, we've talked about having a mindset uh, that is gospel centered having um, value for transparency and also being holistically minded. And so if you haven't listened to those episodes yet, be sure to go check them out. Uh, If you have never joined us here before, we welcome you and we're glad to have you. If you have, uh, if you're a return listener, then we really welcome you to subscribe or leave us a review or rating wherever you listen to your podcast. That helps more people find our content and that means It honestly means so much to us. So thank you to all of you who have already done that. Uh, Today, we are going to be talking about another key to having sustained sexual health in a community of faith. Now, these five keys also, I didn't mention before, are part of um, an evaluation tool that we have developed for leaders within churches and ministries to be able to kind of see for themselves the level of strength for their church of around sexual health. And so we've created a little uh, free download that you can find on our website or on the profile from our Instagram account that will just ask you some, some simple questions and will hopefully help you begin to strategize where you can build up uh, vulnerable areas. So today we are talking about the concept of thinking for legacy. So we have that defined in this context as having an intentional investment into the young generation, knowing that they will need connection in order to be established in their identity. So we're going to unpack that a little bit more here today. Uh, Yeah. So Brian, why don't you tell us why this matters so much? Well, uh, yeah, I think that's a great question is always to ask why, why legacy, why why the older generation looking for the younger generation and finding ways to to reach the younger generation and build that bridge? Um, because if we don't, the why is if we don't, strong connection between generations is stifled, is uh, is wilted. I don't know how I don't know. I'm trying to think of a good word, but it's just it's zapped. That mm-hmm. kind of connection is just um, is taken out of our church communities, is taken out of our congregations, out of our um, you know, out of our churches and then that spiritual inheritance is stopped. And I think, you know, God is a God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's a generational God. Yeah. And in so many ways we see how God revealed himself, yes, to Abraham. And then God would reveal himself to Isaac and be like, I'm the God of your father, Abraham, yet is revealing something uh, specific and unique to Isaac, yet also revealing the same truth uh, that he revealed to Abraham. And then the same as it works its way down. So we see that God is a generational God, but there's this verse, uh, a great verse, yet a troubling verse um, in Malachi chapter four and verse six. And it says, he will turn the hearts of the fathers back to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, which that sounds great. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. That's generational uh, transference as generational inheritance, spiritual inheritance being built. Uh, but then it says this one part so that I will not come and strike the land with complete destruction. 
Right. Some translations say so that I don't smite the land with the curse. Right. Yeah. If you're maybe in a New Kings James or a, or a New King James or a King James version, it's probably going to say uh, smite the land with a curse. And so there's this there's this effect that happens when the hearts of an older generation are not turned to the young and the young generation are not turned to the old, that there is a fallout within our land. And we've seen a breakdown of family within society and that shows up in our churches, yeah. right? Because we've seen destruction of this area, God's design for family in one man, one woman as, as and again, these are ideals, right? Like one man, one woman, this is his design for family. We understand there's a lot of craziness that happens, you know, divorce and, you know, single parents and things like that. We get, we get that. And that's not to uh, throw shade at anybody, but we need to, we need to focus on the ideal and the design that it'd be one man and one woman, you know, parenting a family and parenting children and raising up children. And we've seen that in society be, be dissolved and be redefined according to um, a bunch of shifting sand, uh, not on truth, not on hard, hard and fast truth. And so that's shown up, I think, in a lot of ways in our churches that we um, we don't see the value of the next generation. We don't see the value of children and we don't see um, the value of that generational transfer. And so I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. This is why we do notes. But like, <laughs> um, I think this is why it's so important is the, mm-hmm. the what's at, what's in stake. What's at stake if we do not turn our hearts um, to the younger generation and yeah. and encourage build a an avenue of relationship for the young generation to connect with us as well. Right. You know, um, and I do want to say this really quickly before we move on. A lot of times when we've talked about this and I've been in a lot of conversations with people, an older generation might feel kind of put out to pasture. Like, why? Why are we just focusing on the young generation? Like, I still have needs, too. I still need to be discipled and, and pastored and cared for. And it's good, like, absolutely you do. Mm-hmm. But what you'll find is you'll find fulfillment and purpose and destiny in you turning your heart to the next generation. Right. right? And not just learning principles to be in a vacuum. Right. But to learning principles and truth of discipleship so that you can reach the next generation. And it and so your your needs actually don't get put off to the side and become a sidebar issue. And we're only going to be focused on the young people. Yeah. Is like you as a as a seasoned person or an older person. Yeah. Find a fresh value and and purpose and destiny in your life when you start to see that younger generation. So. I digress. Well, I mean, if I can digress with you, I think right away of the story where the disciples, there's a huge crowd following Jesus. And it's very clear that the disciples are the ones who are starting to get hungry. And they're like, hey, Jesus, we should probably send everybody away. Like they need food. And then Jesus goes, you feed them. Mm. And, and the disciples are like, what? We don't have enough. And Jesus basically goes, says like, we'll figure out, find something. And then let's multiply it. And I love that in both accounts and two different gospels, it's like the one, the one time they fed over 5,000 people, they started out, um, you know, with a little bit and it multiplied to the point where there was a basket, literally an overflowing basket for each disciple left over, you know, and that happens. It happens to us when we will take what little we have and we say, maybe I don't have enough, but if we will break it, put it in the hands of the Lord. He multiplies it and lets us eat after too. Absolutely. That's so good. 
Absolutely. Yeah. So, okay. So we're talking about the value, the valuing of children. When I say children, I hope you don't just picture toddlers and preschoolers. I hope you picture, I mean, it could be you right now might have 40 year old children. They're still your children. So it's really about the looking at who's coming behind you. So that value for the children we see expressed in Psalm 127, where God says the children are at a blessing. They are a reward. They are an inheritance from the Lord. So important. I've recited that to myself so many times. Brian and I, we have six kids. Sometimes when you're folding just unlimited, unending piles of laundry, when you are cleaning up another spill, when you're, you know, another thing's broken, you have to remember what the word of God says about children. This Mm -hmm. is actually a blessing to you, Bonnie. This is a reward for you. This is actually an inheritance. Will you steward it well and not get bitter? Maybe it's a blessing because it shapes us into the image of Christ Mm -hmm. better than most things do if we will allow it. So we understand So there's a value of children. What we want to see in every church across the world is that the value of children is expressed and preached from the pulpit and then is embraced in the larger community of faith. Now, this is going to counter the enemy's hatred for children. And I say that I have I get pretty fiery about this one. So in Genesis, in the beginning, I'm going to try to blast through this as fast as I can. Go read it for yourself. You know, chapter two and three, there's this temptation. The enemy comes to Eve. Eve eats the food that has been like restricted from her. She eats it anyway, gives it to her husband. Now there's a cur- There's actually consequences released. God said there was going to be death. It wasn't that they immediately passed away, but a decay of soul began. God comes and one of his first, some, some of the first response is a prophetic message that there was going to come from the seed of woman. There was going to be one who would crush the head of the enemy. But there would also be this, he also promised there was going to be this ongoing enmity between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. So kind of the, yeah, men and women, the coming generations, it was going to be a battle between them and the spirit of darkness in the earth. And we see that in so many ways. And unfortunately, this is where it links in with the topic of sexuality so graphically is that often it is the children who pay the price for the mother's and father's sexual immorality. Whether it is in um, just the fallout, like Brian, you were saying about broken families, whether it is with their own life, when there is an abortion, kind of, I don't want to live with the consequences of my sexual decision. Um, we also see it in increasing perversion and where children are being targeted in pornography and in, in child trafficking, uh, there is an enmity. And so when we as parents, as a church community, rise up and say, no, actually, we're going to stand on guard. We're going to speak blessing. We are going to invest ourselves into our children. Um, it really pushes darkness off. It, it keeps that curse. It keeps the destruction from coming into the land. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think this this has to carry over because a lot of times we we look at our church communities as if they are um they're organized they're organizations and not so much family. Mm. When I think the family atmosphere was actually always a template that the church was supposed to be modeling. 
you know, we have leadership, we have government, we have um, authority and we have children being raised up and, and mu- there's multiplication and there's like, I think the family, the, I, heard, I heard somebody say um, that the family should be like the greatest evangelistic tool that the church has. Yes. And, and I think all the more so in, in these hours, um, in these moments, the season that we're in, like our families should be bright lights of hope and truth and the surreality of Jesus. And, and so these principles can't just be in a vacuum. They have to get over into our church structures, into actually how we function as, as the body of Christ and in our services, like you said, like being preached from the pulpit. Um, but, and in our, in our atmosphere and then like, we've talked a lot about culture and, and kind of like what our atmosphere of our churches are like. And um, one of the byproducts that, or one of the fallouts when when hearts are hardened generationally towards each other, we start to cling to preferences and and we start to die on hills that are not supposed to be died on. You know what I mean? I don't know if that's proper English, <laughs> but um, I'm working on it. OK, I'm working on my English. <laughs> um, we, we die on hills that we just shouldn't be, mm-hmm. you know, um, now as a truth guy, as a Bible teacher, somebody who's passionate about doctrine, like there's things that you need to die on. Right. You know what I mean? There's scriptural truth that we need to to stand for and not compromise on. And, you know, those things are being attacked left, right and center in the day that we're in. And um, I'm not suggesting to, you know, to like bow down and like, well, maybe Jesus wasn't a man. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. there's just all this other, you know, anyways, the list is endless of the things that are being challenged, but that's not what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about, maybe our worship style, mm-hmm. you know, right. Worship styles have shifted in a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, like let's just go back to the reformation. What were worship styles like then? I think things have adjusted, you know, right. right. It's just like, are we clinging to hymns? I, you know what? I think the young generation should hear some hymns because mm-hmm. there's some strong, uh, truth filled doctrine filled, <laughs> yeah. you know, songs that are there that are just beautiful and not, not so feely. Mm-hmm. And, um, um, you know, kind of like more emotionally, uh, based worship, not, not throwing everything out. Like, mm-hmm. see, this is the tension, not saying everything that's coming out of like uh, yeah, cont- yeah. contemporary Christian music is uh, just emotionally and not truth, not truth based. Uh, that's not what I'm saying, but we can start to build our, um, we start to, we start to build our preferences as the, the mountains to die on when they are just actually your preferences. Yeah. They're not biblically based. They're not biblically anchored. Um, they're just your preferences. Mm -hmm. And we, we will end up doing that at a detriment to those around us. Right. Right. So to use it this way, like if we're talking about a house, we're talking about a family, we're not suggesting Hey, let's start cutting down the posts that are holding up the floor. You know what I mean? This is we're going to we're going to reach the next generation by cutting down the pillars and posts that are keeping, you know, keeping this house safe and mm-hmm. the structure in, intact. What we're saying is like, well, maybe we don't need to have that door there. Right. Maybe that door can shift, you we know, right. Reupholster the couch. Yeah. You know what I mean? We right. could we could paint that wall. Mm-hmm. Right. This is this is not this is not this is just paint. Mm-hmm. Right. These things are going to shift with time. Mm-hmm. Right. But the heart, the heart is to reach the generation coming up mm-hmm. with the unchanging truth of the reality of Jesus. Yeah. But if we 
are clinging to our preferences, the next generation is never going to see mm-hmm. is never going to see that because that that bridge is not being built. The, the heart being turned is not is mm-hmm. not there. So they're not they're not ever going to experience it. Totally. I mean, something interesting, if you've read Kara Powell's book called Growing Young and it's researched on actually, I would just recommend that it's research through the Fuller Youth Institute um, where she talks about what is necessary for a church to be able to reach a young generation. And you do not have to be afraid. It is not all about being trendy. It's actually it is just what we're talking about. It's the heart that's looking to the young. It might save you some some yes. money in your like worship and like you're like maybe you don't need a smoke machine. Maybe but, you don't need the lights, right? But if you but if you will invite young people to come over for lunch after, I guarantee, like after a service or like here, come you know you can use our house for a movie night. Like those type of gestures are going to be mean more to them. Than just like putting on a show of like, okay, we need to use this, you know, the Pantene, is it Pantene, Pantone colors of the year or whatever. Not Pantene, that's shampoo. Pantene, that is. (laughs) Yeah. Pantene Pro-V. Anyway, look it up. It's on Pinterest. The Pantone colors of the year. Anyway, so you don't have to do that if you're willing to open your heart, you know. So, okay, so we talk about church structures and we talk about the value of children, recognizing the war against our, our kids and how we actually... Whether we feel ready or not, it's time for us to rise up and be guardians over the young. Maybe you're 22 and you can be a guardian over a 13 year old, right? It's yeah, there's it's unlimited. Uh, And now the other huge thing is that by this linking of the generations, we are able to then more naturally pass on our values. Developmental psychology would show that we will most often we will want to please the person to whom we are most relationally attached. Mm-hmm. And so as we naturally, as we turn our hearts to the young generation, it becomes more easy psychologically for them to even hear us to the, for them to listen to us and for us to be able to explain why we do what we do with our own sexual ethic mm-hmm. and how, I mean, If there's some people who are feeling dizzy right now by all the messages that are spinning around them, it's the young generation and they need, they want to have a conversation with someone who feels at peace and at rest, even within their own gender, (laughs) who feels at peace with their um, relationship status, who says, you know what, I'm single, but I'm fulfilled. Or who says, you know what, marriage is hard work, but it's worth it. Those type of conversations, passing on those values to the next generation is is going to save them so much heartache. So this is about the passing on of spiritual inheritance and the wisdom from scripture and from the spirit, even if it's countercultural. Uh, something really interesting we learned a little while ago is that originally when Sunday school um, started, it, it was so different from what it is now. It was because at the time it was during the industrial revolution and there were children like it was child labor all over the place. And so these kids were not actually being able to, they weren't learning how to read and write. And so the church said, as an outreach, we are going to have literal Sunday school lessons for these kids so that they can have a chance at a further, at an education. Um, But then it slowly started to shift. And uh, there were actually some denominations who were, or like leaders within church communities that were really against the idea of Sunday school. Because up until this point, all the generations just worship together, learn together, like experience the church, like services together. Mm -hmm. 
And they said, if we segregate, and, and this isn't me saying we can't have Sunday school. I get it. The squirmy six-year-olds sometimes just need to go and color something and not just sit still like, a, you know, like us adults can hopefully do. Anyways, but there was this concern within the leaders saying, if the church starts to take on this discipling role of the kids, parents are actually going to abdicate that role. Unfortunately, we've actually seen that that kind of has happened where the parents are like, it's the church who's the professionals. I don't know how to do it. And so I'll just bring my kids to church and they'll do it. So I don't have to. And of course there is still a role. There are kids who they don't have a chance. Like their parents are not equipped. They're not ready to be um, introducing Jesus to them. So I get that there's still a role for that, but I, what we would love to see and what I think would make for that healthy uh, value of legacy is for the church to be em- equipping and ep- empowering the parents to be the primary disciplers in their children's lives. Uh, so I just want to leave that with you that um, you might need to rethink how you think about Sunday school, how you think about uh, ch- children's ministry. Absolutely. And I think, you know, we hope that this is like good news to mm-hmm. church leaders. Mm-hmm. We hope that this is not like, Oh man, I hope I didn't just waste all that money on the smoke and lights and stuff like that. It's like, there's nothing against smoke and lights. Mm -mm. Like this is not what it's about, but like what's the substance of your church is the substance, a generational body, young, old, black, white, you know, Mm -hmm. otherwise it's just like, what, Mm -hmm. what's the substance of your church? Are they all about the kingdom of God being part of the family of God, Mm -hmm. you know, like where they come and they have belonging and they have connection and they have all these um, all these avenues working to build a spiritual inheritance that keeps on going because what God starts continues on in generations. He is a generational God. So again, as we said, this is a evaluation tool, kind of a, um, you know, a survey that allows you to kind of just like really test how are we doing in, in our church, uh, in our churches, in this area of sexual health. Um, and so we do have questions for you. We want to leave you with uh, a couple questions here. So question number one, how would you describe the connection between the younger and older generations in your church, in your ministry? What is the connection like? How would you describe it? So that's number one. Do you see mentoring relationships forming naturally? So we have how would you describe the connection between the younger and older generations and then we say, do you see mentoring relationships forming naturally? So those are some questions for you to be thinking about. We would love to hear your responses. If this has been helpful, as if this has been encouraging, thought provoking for you, feel free to leave a, a comment below. Uh, share this podcast, maybe with another leader, another Christian leader, just encourage uh, somebody who's in the work um, and encourage them that this is this is a vital part of the health of their church. Um, not just church health, but also like obviously the the sexual health of people and the generational climate of our churches. So um, thanks again so much for joining us on this episode. Uh, we will see you next time here on the Union Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Union Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. Please email us at podcast at the unionmovement.com. For more information, please visit our website, theunionmovement.com, or find us on Facebook and Instagram at The Union Movement.